about mandarins, and there's this new mandarin out there, a hybrid, that has, like, perfectly smooth orange skin. And the guy was, like, almost like human skin, and I was ready for him to be, like, Trump. Because like, I imagine Trump having very smooth orange smooth skin. orange skin, exactly. But he didn't go there. Uh, Somebody has to do that okay. tanning booth. Somebody has to spray him down. It's spray, right? It's not. It's not a. No, I don't think it's a. It's a booth because it is that orange. No, but you get in a. You get into a little tent so that the spray doesn't go everywhere. Everywhere, yeah. That's a, that tent's in the White House now. That tent is in the Oval fuck, Office right now. Uh huh. And there's a presidential tanner. There's yeah. a dude. Spray tanner. Yeah. It's not a dude. Sure it is. I'm sorry. No oh yeah, with Trump. It's, a dude. Is, no, no, it's probably not a dude. <laughs> uh, we're with Nate Hedgie. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks, guys. Hedgy is the pr- proper pronunciation. Yeah. For Nailed everybody, it. can you spell it for everyone? H-E-G-Y-I. So for everyone who's friends with Nate on Facebook who has never heard someone say his name, but you're always like, who's that Nate Hedgy guy? It's this guy. Hedgy. That's how you pronounce it. <laughs> Rhymes this with, guy. Um, Rhymes with wedgie. Yeah, thank you so oh, much for coming. Oh, is that, a, is that a thing? No, it wasn't. Was but that, it, come on. It could have been a thing. No, okay. no, one ever, no one ever. I was allergic to nuts, and so they would say the thing was like, Oh, Nate can't be gay because he's allergic to nuts. <laughs> oh, man. That was that was the one that I got the most. Man. Uh, yeah. Kids are fun. Yeah, kids are really great. College kids. Yeah. That was in college. That was that your was, parents. That was a couple weeks ago. <laughs> that was my parents. <laughs> uh, Nate, Aww. people around town probably know you mostly as a musician. Yeah, probably. Uh, Founding member, songwriter for Wartime Blues, mm-hmm. is that right? Of Wartime Blues, yeah. Uh, and we'll, I think we should cover that, but you're doing some other gig now that's really cool. I'm a part-time news anchor and reporter for Montana Public Radio. Awesome. And how's that going? <sighs> good, yeah, it's fun. It's actually really good. It's, like, very important right now. It's I mean, actually, it's being a journalist gonna... is does feel... Yeah, do you ever, do you feel now, in the Trump administration, like, you're like, ah, I want to be a journalist I think journalism rejected me first. Really? No, no I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just can't, you know, I just can't do anything for very long, it seems like. Um, <laughs> yeah, join uh, the club. <laughs> but, uh, no, I think that's really cool, man. Congrats. That's oh, thanks. awesome. Thanks. That's awesome. Are you enjoying it? Yeah. Yeah, it's great. The team's really good. Um, you get to do real... It's nice because with Montana Public Radio... You report something and then you get feedback from people, which is great. Like feedback from list listeners, and you hear, you actually feel like what you're doing matters. You know, sometimes when you write stuff, you work really a long time on it, and you write it, then it gets published in a magazine, and nobody reads it, and you're just like, well, I got some money, that's good, but yeah, that was just something. So people are more engaged. You feel like? Yeah, I think so. I think people are are more engaged with with NPR and. And Montana Public Radio is the writing. Pro- well, I guess you're a musician, so it's probably more natural. But I always wonder if writing copy to read, how that's different than it's. It is different, yeah. Like, but it's fun. It's fun because you get to do all these little tricks. Like I, I do this trick way too often. I'll be like, Frank Garner is the Bill's sponsor. It's called a Foster Care Bill of Rights, and then like he'll like you put like oh, I don't know what they call it, but you know like you'll be like talking, 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 and then you like drop in there his voice. Yeah, his voice. Yeah. It's, I do that. It's fun to do, and I do it way too much. Yeah. It's like every story I have, it's like da 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 bam, and then the like uh, I only wrote for fifteen seconds. Seconds, on this and then story. he had, he said something else. He just he fills in the blanks. Brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, that's um, great. Cool, man. And Travis, you were in Wartime Blues also. For a second. Yeah, yeah. Travis was also in the band. Travis recorded a third record. Yeah, technically a sub. But a sub on our biggest show we ever played. That's true. Which was? Decemberists. Open for the Decemberists in Salt Lake. Mm -hmm. That was huge. Yeah. That was huge. Was that scary? Top of the mountain right there. That's like thousands of people. It was scary for everybody but me. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah, I was totally... He was fine. He never fucked up once. I, I probably never played the right thing. <laughs> he, he played great. He played great. It was just on the last song. The song is in the key of C. Oh, and yeah. And it opens with the piano. And he, like, drops down in E. So it just goes, dun, 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 dun. It's, like, the wrong key. And it's, and we're like, everyone looked. I fixed looked, it. He I fixed, fixed it really before quickly. everybody came in, which is exactly what happened when I, I did it on a Bowie song uh, in Jackson. Oh, as yeah. Well. Did you? Oh, that's happened. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I know that song. No, I don't. Oh, oh now I, I know do it. it. I know You're now. You're just testing everybody. Yeah, keeping <laughs> people on their toes. There was there. There is that moment of uh, six six sets of eyes. What are you doing? I got it. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. D no. G no. <laughs> C yeah, that's the one. I definitely yeah. used to have this problem. I still do. On this, I forget what Bowie song it is that we never really agreed on an ending. 
and I would have like a mental block. So I would just start playing faster at the end <laughs> and faster and faster and faster. And then everyone would be turned around looking at me. And I'd be like, I'm going to end This sometime. is going to end, right? Okay, no. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Uh, Nate, where are you from? From uh, I was born in BC and then raised in Wisconsin and um, then I've been here for ten years. For ten years, you mm-hmm. came here for school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. so you can you can just go to Canada. Oh yeah. You can literally. I thought I thought about applying for jobs at the CBC. Oh. Oh, so you still have citizenship? I'm, I'm a duly. Yeah. No way. There's mm-hmm. no. Is that really what it's called? Much like the coins are called that. No. <laughs> I think I just made that up now. <laughs> a dually. A dually. So here we we're talking with uh, Nate Hedgie Dooley. Dooley. We all know what that means. Dooley Hedgie. Not a doula. Doula. Oh, is that the next job? Else? It is. Yeah. What this table is going to become a doula eventually. I am. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. No hesitation. Uh, so you can go, but you're not going to. No, it's too much. It's too interesting to be in the u.s right now right well that's a good attitude yeah it's a good attitude for for a journalist for a, journalist. For a white guy journalist it's oh yeah no it's, it's, it's super fun. interesting stuff nothing bad's gonna happen to me oh yeah how do you feel what is what is do you have a do you have a fear of journalism disappearing no not of journalism disappearing i think that it's going to strengthen journalism i mean i think that more and more people are like there is i am hoping that our democracy can can um can endure this this pressure against against it you know like i hope that like the women's march and everything else is just like it, we, i hope our democracy can endure having a very authoritarian like figure as a president you know yeah and that we can just essentially like cushion him away from from stuff that's the optimist to me i don't know though yeah. i was wrong about him getting i didn't think he was going to get elected so i don't really trust my judgment anymore i so i totally agree with you and and the march was so amazing and the resistance is so amazing the other part of me though is like what you maybe what you said democracy is what i thought was or democracy was fucked before absolutely though absolutely let's make america as great as it was before trump is like it was still really bad yeah you know absolutely so great but i mean i feel like it's i feel like our 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 protest movement and our our like progressives are, are woken up and they're they're doing stuff again. Yeah. Which we kinda sat in our laurels for eight years and didn't complain when there were, you know, lots of drone strikes or um other infringements and, and such and now we're like, Oh, wow, we yeah. need to But yeah, there's uh it's scary. Hurts. It's scary. I mean the public like public radio might be gone, right? No. No, no. I don't think so. I think I read that um if it's so National Endowment of the Arts would get cut. Um, like totally. That's the. I, I mean, that's. I don't so know. Weird. That's like the. Who knows? Maybe it's, yeah. Who knows? Everything we say but, on but this podcast is conjecture. Is complete conjecture. <laughs> there's no. There's no fact checking here. Because we're talking about the most unpredictable person in the world. Exactly. <laughs> but I think I think NP, NPR divested from the government in the '80s when Reagan first said, okay. "Hey, we're going to cut funding to public broadcasting." So I don't know what that means for member stations. I don't know what that means for, you know, Montana Public Radio. Um, maybe, we'll oh yeah, who knows? I mean, the Montana Public Radio is probably already in kind of a, a tough spot considering, you know, the university's not been doing well and, and we get pretty low. I don't know if I should say that. Support? Cut that part. I don't know if I'm no, supposed no, to. I don't know. I'm just conjecturing about Montana Public Radio. I don't know. I think it gets lower support than... That's that's well, just me saying all, that as a it's listener. It's all listener though. drives, right? It's, it's yeah. mainly listener drives. Yeah, which absolutely. maybe that'll increase. Hold yeah. yeah, this next one is a huge one. <clears throat> that would the, be great. When is the spring drive? I don't know. That's going to be huge. That'll be. So a we're going to find out. We're going to tell you in the introduction of this this podcast. Yeah. Oh yes. How the spring drive went. When when it is. When oh yes, that's a when good, it is. Because you go. you're going to have to give money this year. Yeah, actually, Montana is Montana Public Radio is totally listener supported, and it is important. It's incredible. Yeah. The the actually the, if you go on the mm. the website there are sweet deals if you donate yeah oh man they're better than uh, PBS deals it's really? and there are hundreds of them really oh man and like people bake pies you can get like three pies if you donate fifty dollars there's I sweet didn't know that stuff yeah they're better than the PBS ones that are like if you donate a hundred dollars you get one DVD no I don't even want a DVD and I it's want pies <laughs> like choral music. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm glad PBS exists. Sorry. Uh, let's talk music. So, where are you? What are you doing now? I'm doing a different project called Ovando. That's solo. Solo. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, it's solo, as in like I've got 
I've got complete control <laughs> solo in that way. Yes. But I have collaborators. Who's, but I get to edit. edit who, them. What are you doing with that? You um, put out a, t- a cassette a couple yeah, of years ago? Yeah, I put a cassette out in March of last year. What's it called? Um, Cattle Ranching in the Americas, Volume Where 1. Where can people get that? Um, at Ear Candy eventually, when I get down to actually taking the tapes down there. <laughs> I walk down there all the time and I'm like, ah, I didn't forget my tapes. You literally just have to bring the tapes down? I literally, I am really bad it's at the doing worst. that. Yeah, I have to bring the tapes down. (laughs) I have to send tapes to people that order them sometimes. Like, I'll be like, okay, they ordered it. I need to send the tape. And then, like, a month later, I'll be like, I really need to send that tape. This is ridiculous. That's terrible customer service. And then eventually, I'm like, okay. Send the tape, and then I feel really good about myself. But I haven't, I haven't, I, I really need to drop it's this. It's the off. worst feeling it when is. you bring your when you bring your product to the record store and say, "Hi, I know you're selling the new, I know you're selling the new Andrew Bird right now. Would you also sell my CD?" <laughs> Here it is. Thank I'll you. I'll even buy one. Yeah. <laughs> How much is that? Five dollars? Okay, here you go. Here's seven. <laughs> I think about that all the time is just buying all of the CDs that I'm on in Ear Candy just so they have to order more. No. <laughs> Doesn't make a lot of sense. <laughs> oh, no. That's a great idea. Uh, so how, where is a, Where do you want Ovando to go? What's the... Uh, I don't know. How much are you focusing on it? I really wanted to make this record. I, so I just, I just did a second kind of seven-song EP-ish thing um, this winter. And it's all to tape, but I don't know where it's like my, my drive to like make it in music is just like crash. It's hard. You you went for it. You guys moved to Wartime Blues, went to Austin. For people who don't know, Wartime Blues was a real staple in Missoula for a while. Yeah. It seemed like. Like every time there was a thing downtown. It was like Wartime Blues. It was Wartime Blues. Yeah. Or Little Smokies. Yeah. Smokies. Yeah. Um. And you guys went to Austin together? Kind of. Half of us went to Austin. Okay. And then we all, I burned out of music, and so and I stopped playing music and wore a lot of Carhartts and tried to be a journalist for a while. And then I got back into it right around the time that we recorded in 2013. Big. 2014. Big, yeah, the big album. Wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. What, why did you get out of it? Uh, just because I think it was... First off, I think I'm not a much of a manager of people. And when you've got a giant band, it's really hard. I'm just a sh- I'm a shitty manager at people, and so that that aspect was burning out. I had no patience um, to like, okay, we're in Austin. Let's slowly. I just I went from Missoula having all these great crowds and everything else yeah. like that, and then 24 year old me was like, oh, of course that's going to happen in Austin. Duh. Because everyone knows who we are in Austin, which is not true. <laughs> and so we'd play, and we'd play like at a little bar, and like people would be like, eh, "Yeah, whatever." And, yeah. And so I was like, "Oh, they don't like it. I suck. I'm terrible. I need to quit." Right. So it was a little bit of a fish in the pond. Like you were a bigger fish in a small small pond. pond here. Yeah, and then you become very small pond in a big in a or a very small fish in a very big what, pond. Why did you guys pick Austin? Um, because Martin wanted to go there. That's Martin, your the drummer. drummer. Um, because it was warm, and it was between Austin, Chicago, and Portland, and yeah, I think Martin was like, let's go to, let's go to Austin. I would have picked that too. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Warm. It's warm. That sounds so good. Hot. Was it hot? Man, humid? I don't know. Was it humid there? I I thought it was way too hot. Like it's like you get down there because we left around this time of year, and we got down there, and I was like, wow, seventy degrees, so nice, and then like. March comes around, and you're like, damn, it's like 80 degrees, 90 degrees. And you're like, how, when's summer over? Oh, wow, summer hasn't even started yet. Oh. And then you're like in August, and you're like, when the whole city's on fire. And Is it the kind of heat where you walk your car and you have pit stains? You would walk out, I, would, I worked a morning job, and so I would like wake up at 5, and I would get out at 5.30, and you'd open the door and just be like, Ugh. and just like get smashed in the face with humidity. So it doesn't even cool down at nighttime? No, I no. I can't do that shit. No, no, it's not, it's right on the edge of, I think, like, where the west kind of splits between, like, you know, like, it's it's more arid in the west, and then the east, obviously, there's more humidity, and it's like, it sits right on the, on the, um, the cusp of that. So sometimes you'd get, like, a dry heat that would come in, but most of the time it was, like, the gulf... Oof. Heat that would come up. Nasty. It was it was I rough. I mean, it was rough for me because I just I've always lived in the north. So yeah, no humidity. I cannot do humidity. Yeah, no. yeah. You really don't get it. Like the heat, I've never experienced heat like that. It's just like all 
all over you. It's just sweating and constant. intense, constant. Sweaty kneecaps. Sweaty kneecaps. Ugh. That's the worst. <laughs> that you the have worst. kneecap sweat stains. That's, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> kneecap sweat stains. Well, I'm glad you came back. Yeah. Because that's horrible. You spent um, like five or six weeks in Mexico. Yeah, in uh, Guanajuato. What was the... Uh, was that was that chasing Ostensibly story? Ostensibly to do a story, yeah, <gasps> jaguar poaching, which I'm still hoping will get picked up. Um, but I went down to learn Spanish because I was like, I need to know Spanish. Well, first off, there's a long reason, a lot of reasons why I wanted to go down there. But I really wanted to learn Spanish. I didn't know any Spanish. I also wanted to like do this thing where I was like, put myself in a strange situation as a kind of, um, I don't know. Um, what do you call it? Embedded Rite of passage. No, no, just like to go into a place like a, a country that you don't know the language and just get shaken up a little. Shaken up. I wanted to shake you myself. Want to drain up. the swamp? Yeah, do you need to drain the swamp? <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. No. No, it's a good Sorry. term. That's Sorry. a great term. That's drain the, only the swamp. Thing I think <laughs> <laughs> so I went down and um, yeah, and then went to this little or the city of Guanajuato and. Central um, Mexico for five weeks, learned some basic, basic shitty Spanish, made a couple mistakes, and um, then took a bus from, well, Trump won. I was down when Trump won in, I was in Guanajuato when that happened, which was really neat to, man. What was the response like down there? We had nobody had any idea. We were all just like sitting there watching it at a bar, and like it started just like hitting in waves, right? You're like, oh, wow. Oh, he's winning. Oh, he's going to win. Yeah. Holy shit. And then you're like, you know, like Mexicans are watching it on the TV and kind of like shaking their head. And and um, the next morning, I mean, first off, again, like what you said about like our democracy already being fucked. Like I remember talking to somebody, this guy, and um, he worked at a coffee shop. He was a coffee roaster. And he had ridden his uh, bike across the U.S. He had like a really long haul trucker, done a long distance bike ride. And at the end of that bike ride, he had gotten picked up um by uh, he he well, who is it? It's, it's uh, man, my brain is is, uh, is not working this morning. Who's the ones that pick up when, when you get deported? Is it? Oh, the uh, that wasn't border, border patrol. patrol. It wasn't border patrol customs? though. It was yeah, immigration I, IHS or, or something like that. I, mm-hmm. INS INS Immigration Nationalization Services. Yeah, government picked him up and he got to, he was deported. But first he was put into a deportation or deportation center for a year and a half. So, for a year and a half. Yeah, this is a guy that's like our age. Just a dude riding his bike across the country. He gets picked up and he's just like in limbo for a year and a half in this deportation center before he's sent down. So he's like, that was under Obama. And so he's like, nothing much has changed, you know? Like, sure, Trump's in there, but what? what's the difference, you know? And so him and like, I was talking to a ton of people that you meet that were deported. I knew, I met a guy. uh, In Mexico, really? Yeah, absolutely. No shit. In Guadalajara, when I was, um, I was taking, I took this bus after Trump won. I I wanted to just experience the the breadth of Mexico and I really wanted to cross the border by foot. And so I I took a bus from Guadalajara to Tijuana, which is just like from central Mexico all the way up the coast through like Sinaloa and Nayarit and, and Sonora and up there. And so I was in Guadalajara waiting for my bus. And I met this security guy, and he saw that I, I was I was like the only American native English speaker there, you know, like the only like guy walking around. And so he like saw me, and he started talking to me in English. And he had ran a um, tamale shop in Vermont, and it was like a million dollar business <laughs> for years, for like ten years. And it was a restaurant, and and he's like, you can look me up. I was I was up there, and then he got deported. Um, so, so, so there's a fire and something happened and he got deported because yeah. he wasn't there legally. And so now he works as a security guard in a Guadalajara bus station, like taking people's tickets and making pesos, which is nothing compared to the U.S. bus sure. he was making. And I looked him up and he was totally real. Like he was, it was like in the Vermont Free Press Alt Weekly, like a story about him and his tamale shop and everything no else shit. like that. Yeah. And then he just gets deported down. Sent down making like 27 pesos to $1. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's such an interesting perspective to hear those voices because you never, I don't know, we're so far away from that. Yeah, absolutely. Especially in Montana. Especially in Montana. So far away from it. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to get worse probably. It'll be, it'll, it will get worse for Mexico. (laughs) Taking away jobs from Mexico. And then you expect, you're going to build a wall. Oh, we want to stop immigration. But when you take away jobs from Mexico and you take away, um, and you you devalue their peso, you're going to have people flooding north because they can't make a living right. down in Mexico. So there's going to be more and more people wanting to 
get work. And Mexico's immigration rates have been the lowest since I think the 1970s. I mean, most of if if we're seeing anything, it's from Central America and from you know El Salvador and Honduras. Yeah. It's not Mexico. Do anymore. you do you feel like uh, those guys that you talked to? What was their tone about being deported? I mean, was it like, man, I got away with something for a long time? No, it was like that was shitty. That fuck. That yeah, sucks. absolutely, yeah. absolutely. It's so hard to become an immigrant. I mean, my parents. Moved from our family moved from Canada. Should be the simplest place in the world to move into the United States. From. Right. And I remember like we were getting uh, not deportation notices. Or maybe they were deportation notices, but we were there. You, you constantly had to be upgrading your, right. your resident status, and you had your legal alien card and everything else like that. And there was like threats and like constantly having to drive to Milwaukee and getting like it's so hard to be an yeah. immigrant in this country. Man, you should do a story on the on the refugees here. Yes, I'm working on something right now. Cool, because that's interesting. Yeah. Well, so there's a worker shortage in Montana, um, meaning that we, all the baby boomers are retiring, and we don't have enough people to replace them. And so we have this huge worker shortage. And so what I'm looking at um, is we have refugees, and all the refugees work at one company, um, or half the refugees work at one company in, in, um, in Missoula. And I want to talk to them because it's been a company that's been around since the 1800s. And I want to talk to them about like, well, first off, are you, have you experienced a worker shortage? How are the refugee are refugees? Um, I mean, they're, they're supplying work. They're workers. Are they, you yeah. know, are they, would you hire more refugees? And so essentially, like looking at at um, in a state where we've got, I think, eight anti-immigration, anti-refugee bills going through the legislature right now, like we very well could need workers from other countries coming into our state because we can't pay our own people enough money to keep them around. And so, so if, then what they do is they go on welfare and then they bitch about welfare people. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. How did we become so entitled? I don't know. Well, because we're Why, <laughs> white know? poor people. Oh. I think like, I think white, I think white people are always have like a, a sense of, of like, Oh no, I deserve better. I've been told I deserve better. Right. Like there's this great on the media. That's, I think it's five myths about poverty. And one of them is like the, the idea of upward mobility and like in America you are supposed to if you strive hard you will make it and nobody believes that more than white people are like right. yeah absolutely I know it I can I mean like Donald Trump sold himself on like striving you know, a little loan which a million dollar loan but um <laughs> but yeah like he but in Canada it's you're you're I think what was it set only seven percent of Americans make it from um from the bottom five percent to the top five percent in Canada, it's nearly doubled. It's fourteen percent. So there actually is and upward mobility there. There is, yeah, five percent, five percent of Americans. Yeah, that sucks. Or seven percent, I should say. We suck. Yeah. yeah, I've lived in poverty for years. That's great, <laughs> but I, I don't call it poverty because yeah. you shouldn't. Yeah, like it's you just make money. Yeah, and you spend it based on what you have. Absolutely. But nobody likes that here. No. I, I, that's the constant question. To well, it's anyone. because there's a shaming. I think there's a shaming of 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 being poor. Yeah. Um. Of of not having a lot of money or not being able to afford certain things mm-hmm. in this country. I think we also have gone through like gender. Let's just talk about shit we don't really understand. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, big caveat. I don't really know yeah, if that's know. the way. <laughs> this next thought I really is really unfounded. Uh, <laughs> Sweet. Uh, but it seems like also for generations it was all about retirement, right? Like. Yeah. I have, I know lots of people, family members in particular, who talk about retirement. Mm-hmm. You know, well, if I do this long enough, I'm, I'm not going to do anything. And I think what that leads to is like you, you, you hate your work, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you are setting yourself up and doing something for 40 years. Yeah. Like, all I have to do is do this for 40 years. That might be two thirds of your life, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know? Uh, and I think that what that leads to is is we hate our jobs and we become, like, resentful of them. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So we are entitled to more because we're doing this shitty job. A paycheck isn't enough. Yeah. You know? Do you know how hard I work? Nine to five, five days a week. <laughs> five days a week. Every week. Except for <laughs> except for three of them. Three Every of them, year. Yeah. Uh, and we just become super fucking entitled, I think. And that's kind of where we're at now. Uh, I mean, the way Americans talk about being, like, the way we have othered immigrants in this country. Yeah. As if being, we somehow deserve to be American. Yeah, totally. What the fuck? You were just born. Yeah, you were just born. And your family's immigrants, so. Come on. It's yeah. insane. It is. Uh, Nick Offerman's deal is, uh. Why would you want to work at a job you hate? Why would you want to spend five-sevenths of your life hating 
your life just yeah. working for the weekend why would you ever want to live if you have way? a family to raise or something like that totally though. but <laughs> but that's if that's the only reason ugh. yeah It'd be tough because then you'd hate your family too <laughs> well then just also just don't don't let that make you like racist yeah <laughs> oh yeah yeah, yeah yeah if you need to fuck man really admirable to do something for your family that you hate yeah. just don't let it make you prejudiced yeah absolutely how does that happen uh, it's got it well, I mean I was just listening to the savage nation yesterday because I do that sometimes I do you, too yeah right and you listen to that just to get a window into what people are hearing you know man it's not smart it's it's well it's just like it's it's just hammered into you it's yeah. like if you're told this is the way the world works you're owed something and because of this this and this like they're constant saying that the economy is really bad the economy is really bad the economy is really bad when the economy is much better than it was in 2009 like it's just you can if you hammer in false facts or 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 prejudices you know people are like yeah you know what my life does suck it does and that's that's why that's why maybe I'm talking for people that I'm not a part of, like I'm not a yeah, part of, you know, and totally. so like I don't, I don't know, I think it's to each, each person their own, so. It's just, it's, just it's where it turns into, I know we're all being so <laughs> fucking careful right now. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> because you know what, I think we're all empathetic people and like, I don't know, like really what, what's going on in the mind of, no. of, of someone who vehemently supports Trump. I mean, people, members of my own family, extended family, vehemently support Trump. And like, I don't understand what's going through their mind. Well, it, it, I don't know. There's something and forget Trump. Like it's happening all over the world. Mm-hmm. You know, it's happening in Germany. It's happening in England, all over the world. It's happening in, in white places. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It's which also is very scary. Yes. Um, but People collectively across borders yeah. seem to feel there's this populism happening, yeah. and they are they've really been the all these white Christian people have really been oppressed for a long time. Yeah, and it's fucking weird, man. I know, it's I know. Weird. We're probably not going to crack it right now. No, no, let's solve it. Let's solve, solve it right there. Oh, nice, more coffee. Thanks, man. Yeah, well, that's what we need. That's what we need. More coffee. Get jacked. I think this is from Mexico. <laughs> is it black coffee? Yes. Nice. It is. Drift. Drift. Is drift. Oh, you didn't get any more. Yeah. Here, you should take some of mine. I don't need. I don't oh, okay. need. Okay. Okay. Are okay. you sure? I've had a pot of coffee. Okay. Oh really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're ready to party. Uh, yeah, I got up early today. What I time did you up, get up? I got up at nine. Ooh. Oh, wow. Uh, Carly saw you the other morning, I guess, and she was like, "But does Travis like cry when he wakes up? Oh, because you I look, was... you look very." Like you, cr- I know you're not crying. No, I had. But when you wake up, you tend to look like you were. crying. Oh, I do. Like I'm all puffy from allergies. And his eyes are red. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> like dust allergies or sad. Every allergy. Yeah, you've got pretty bad seasonal allergies. <sighs> Let's talk about something we understand. It was great because I busted through the door because I heard noise because I was going to check my laundry and it wasn't you. It was uh, Kathy and and Carly. Yeah. Right. That yeah. must have freaked you out. No, I it, it, I heard two voices, so oh. I was immediately like, oh, it's not him. But I went to do, I just have to do laundry. Got to do laundry. He does I, so much laundry. <laughs> really? Congratulations. <laughs> Crazy. And of course, I look like hell. Yeah. Because I just got up at noon. Oh, <laughs> he looks like, oh, must be hungover. No, I just had some allergies. Just, was <laughs> just washing the bedding to get rid of the allergies, probably. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't cry regularly. <laughs> Jesus. So Nate, do you feel like the you're sort of starting I know you've 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 been interested in journalism for a few years, mm-hmm. right? Or or yeah. a while. Yeah. Um yeah. are you right now do you feel like an increased urgency? I mean, are you is this like a call to arms for you right now? Is this is this know. your trajectory? Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows? Right? I don't know, but it seems like it's getting really tiring. Seems like it's happening. <laughs> seems like that's the direction I'm going. I mean, are no, you... I'm, I'm. I love. I mean, I love it. I love that it. Can... But you loved it before it be- seemed so crucial. I yeah, guess I've had saying. like. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I've had my on and offs with it. Freelancing is hard. It's really hard. It's a hustle, man. Oh man, I was doing this one piece for a publication, um, and well, it wasn't even that. It was just like a call for pitches. And so I, it was something about white, I'm um, sorry, about um, the American Redoubt movement, um, survivalists, off the gooders, that kind of thing. And so I came up with the idea, I sent it to him, and then the editor's like, okay, yeah, go um, go find some characters. Yeah. Find some characters, some good characters, come back to me. So I went, found a great character, came back, sent, her, sent it to her, nothing. Sent it again, nothing. 
send it again, nothing. And then just nothing. You just, it's like, and then it's like, well, there goes, first off, there goes $600. And then I just wasted, you know, a bunch of time trying to hunt down this, this piece that, that, you know, you're not getting paid for. And Oh, know. totally. There goes $600 that if you did my hourly wage would have been about 15 cents. Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> like, it's ridiculous. It's, it's so really, hard. I, every time I hear, talk to other journalists, um, when they're talking about freelancing, or I'll be like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about freelancing." Oh, good luck with that. It's impossible, <laughs> it man. Is. It really is. I, I, one of my favorite stories was I was, I had written a story for a publication. I wanted to expand, and I thought it was like really there was more to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I pitched it to a bigger publication, which I won't name, called High Country News. <laughs> and uh, the lady got back to me saying, "No, they weren't interested," but she had been to the town I was writing about, and maybe she would write it. No. Yeah, literally. No. Wow. Literally. No. Oh, it made me so mad. Oh, that's so frustrating. And also, like, she didn't do anything wrong. You know? Like, that's totally within... That's a great idea. I think power. I'll write the, the it. The editors yeah. are so in a power position, which totally. they should be in those situations, because there are lots of bad writers and lots of bad pitches. And save some money, you but know? Holy shit, yeah. Yeah, and save some money. Don't We're pay already anybody. paying this person. Oh, that's a great idea. But man, it pissed she, me she off. Really, did they write it? Did they write the story? No. Well, I don't know. I've never read High Country News. Yeah, man, that's a... T- and it's just such a fucking <laughs> hustle. And you need... I think the thing that like, burned such me a out hustle. on it was... I mean, the money is, is hard, but there are ways to, like, piece it together financially. It's just the, like, the selling. You can't ever not sell yourself. You are always on. And when it got into, like, I feel like I was at a spot where it was, like, you know, you had to take the next step. And it became yeah. about networking. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, going to things. Yeah. To meet people. Yeah. And I just can't fucking do that. I know. There's just no way. It's tough. It's so hard. <laughs> because a part of me, and music is maybe the same way, is is... It, shouldn't it just be about, shouldn't you just read my stories and tell me if you want to work with me? That's what I've always wanted, right? yeah. Why is it about Why do I have to else? talk to people? Right. <laughs> so someone else is going to come in here and be nicer to yeah. you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Absolutely. Uh, working on specs sucks. It sucks It so does hard. suck, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And it's a weird, it's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Because you're, you're trained to believe that you need to impress every mm-hmm. second. Yeah. And like, well, there's always, a, there's got to be a moment where I'm not impressive. Where I could still be given a chance. Yeah. Or just like having, if you're not getting paid yet, just like I had a, I had one piece that was that was pretty intensely edited in a way that like, you know, like there's edits that you read and you're like, wow, that's that's a really good edit that made my writing much stronger. Most of the time when I get edited, it's like that. Yeah. But this is one where she was just, the editor was just changing the actual wording, like just like just the way I would write things, like taking away periods and adding commas and like just, just a like little aesthetic stuff, aesthetic stuff to where it was like, I, that doesn't sound first off, that doesn't sound like me. And those are long run on sentences now. And in a way that I was just like, I don't think this reads very, very well. Yeah. But what am, who am I to say that to you? I need that money. Oh, totally. <laughs> I'm not going to say that because they could kill it because I pitched it to them. So if they kill it and you have no set kill agreement, like so kill fee. You know, you're you're out, and you've already I've already gone down to, to a place and and yeah. written it, and I've traveled and everything else like that. Have so. you ever gone to kill fee? Um, no, I once asked for I once had a piece killed by Bugle magazine, very rightly, because it was <laughs> no, it was it was supposed to be about um, um, Hmong hunters, um, this guy, this Hmong elk hunter, yeah, and I turned it into this like story that elk were like way in the background. It was all about like a family of, of uh, these, uh, like the immigration of Hmong to Missoula and like the stuff that they had to go through. And like, I was trying all these like narratives. And the Elk Foundation gives zero shits. Yeah. And he was like, uh, I don't think this is going to work. And I was like, oh, okay. Can I have a kill fee? Oh, well, we didn't really agree on a kill fee. <laughs> like, no. fair. Absolutely. I, I, I did spend 40 hours like writing that thing, you yeah. know, and like really working it. And it wasn't, it wasn't very good. Um, I, every time I've had a deadline and I've finished reporting, but I've not started writing, which means the deadline is in like five hours. Yeah. Uh, I've been like, oh man, I wish I could get a kill fee. <laughs> I hope somebody else writes this, publishes this story in the next 10 minutes. Can't do it. <laughs> yeah, totally. Amazing if I got paid to just go talk to those people. Oh my God. Wouldn't it be so nice? That's the most fun is the, is the going out and actually reporting. It's oh, putting yeah, totally. together it's of it. It's like, especially if you have the more time you have to put it together, I feel like the worse... I can make a story because then I'll be like, oh, maybe if I try this and it's like some stupid literary technique and mm-hmm. you're just like, nope, that got cut and I wasted five hours like tooling that around and like, oh, if I do that and do that. Speaking my language. Yeah. Yeah. 
Music is the same way. You, yeah. You're torturing yourself in a different field now. Yeah. Kinda, yeah. Right? Actually, absolutely. Yeah. Hustle. No money. Oh, but the rush though in journalism is so much like more. Really? I love it. Yeah. That's yeah, cool. It's just like neural hits of of like deadline and like oh man we've got because you have to at MTPR you pre-record all your newscasts but um like if so a couple days ago newscasts were going great we were like pre-recording them a half an hour to an hour beforehand which is that's huge that's big news is dead whatever whatever and then Greg Gianforte who's you know he giant fart Giant, we call him Giant Fart. You don't have to. <laughs> Greg Gianforte put his name in to run for the House seat, for Zinke's yeah. open House seat, which is huge because he's probably he's probably the one that's most likely to to actually get the Republican nomination because he has the most name. So that mm-hmm. happens at like six o'clock, which was just like <laughs> giant bomb. Which in the like has of to our, be your lead story. You have to do it. So yeah. then all of a sudden everyone's like, "Oh my god, we gotta!" Like, and you're like retooling everything, and you're like throwing <sighs> that in there, which I loved. It was like such a rush. We totally screwed up like some stuff too. I think, uh, yeah, we because um, we just had to read really, really fast to fit everything in. Yeah. So we're just like just like trying to get everything in there. And that's a really good thing to note because you take for granted how good readers are on on public radio. But then there will be a morning where we'll be like, man, why Edward O'Brien like had a rough <laughs> night or something? He's really having a hard time. And you got to think like maybe somebody is writing that as he's reading it. Oh, he could have just done, he could be doing it live too, and that's when you hear and not like, even reading anything. Because when we do it, oh, when that'd we be do terrifying. it, when we oh, oh shit, have yeah, you to do that. Just I've read, done it. Just talk twice. I've read twice, and so you've got your sheet in front of you, and it's live, and you're sitting there, and and you know in your head you're like people are listening. That's okay. I'm just gonna read it live. Don't swear. Don't just go like. Fuck. Fuck. <laughs> don't have that, you know, that little guy in the back of your head that's like a little, he's like, oh, don't say fuck. Hey, say fuck. Say fuck. <laughs> say fuck. It'll make you more real. Yeah. It'll make you more vulnerable. Fuck. Ah, fuck. <laughs> but then you read it, and and there was a, uh, a clip, so it was like reading, reading, and then we had like a, a phoner clip, so, you know, a little interview, and somebody says something, so it's like reading, 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 and you point to the, to the uh, control, uh, master control, the lady in the booth, and you say... And then she plays it. So you point, and she starts playing the wrong, the wrong Shit. piece. And then she's like stops, and she looks up, and I'm like, and then I just like <laughs> keep air. reading it. Dead, dead. dead air, dead air, dead air. Oh my god! Fuck, 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 fuck. Uh, and then you just keep reading it. I now I feel like if if that ever if I was in that situation, I would now just be like dead air, dead air, dead air, dead, dead air, air. And over we're back. dead air, and we're back. <laughs> dead air, dead air, dead, dead air. air. Oh god! Have you guys <laughs> seen that YouTube clip of the dude doing this reading the sports on like a local news station? And he clearly is a fill-in, or oh, it's his yeah. first time ever. He's the boom goes the dynamite. Have you seen this? No. No. It's worth everyone listening. It's worth if you if you uh, if you type in "boom goes the dynamite." I think it's "boom goes the dynamite." Is what he ultimately says. Oh man! But he, you know, doing like, and it's kind of like you know, he's re- he's like doing highlights. Mm-hmm. So people are like shooting baskets, and he's yeah. like, and like Miller for three, got it. It's hard. There's like a <laughs> yeah. rhythm, and like it would Absolutely. probably help if you've seen it before. Uh, I don't think any of that was happening with this guy, and he had a total fucking meltdown. Oh, no. And at one point, it gets so bad. At one point, he mouths, I'm sorry, off camera. Yeah. It's so sad. Oh, no. And they're like, we can't cut on you. You just have to keep doing it. that's a whole, at least, like, you could be, like, wringing your hands and shit on the radio, and no one could see. I would be freaked out if there was, like, cameras looking at me, and you're just like, uh. So do they teach you, is there, there is a definite... In broadcast journalism, and more television than radio, mm-hmm. uh, it seems like someone is teaching all these people to talk the same way. Oh, the, like, inflection. Yeah. da 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 It doesn't, and I don't think it necessarily sounds good. No. What is that? da 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 Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do they tell you how to do that? No, no one tells you how to do that. I think you just copy what it is. It's so weird. da Well, like, the first, so the first time I read something... It was like on Zinke's nomination, and it was um, it was an it was like environmental organizations' reactions to Zinke, something like that. And I read just like how I'm talking now, so it was just like, and then da 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 da, and I listened to it. and I sounded bored and sad. I was like, oh. like depressed, and I was like, wow, I sounded like just like really like my dog just died, depressed. And then so from then, I started being like, okay, I need to 
have liveliness in my voice. And, and so there's, I think there's a lot of different, different things that you do. Just the other day, Nikki Willette was saying like reading really fast, faster than you think you would read helps you sound more excited and everything else like that. Oh, really? Yeah. I would think they would tell you to go slower. Well, everyone tells me, everyone tells us to go slower. Nikki was like, go faster. Oh yeah. That's like being in a band with Tom and Travis. (laughs) Yes. You're going too slow, Jamie. Speed this one up. Speed it up, man. That literally has happened on stage. Really? Speed it up. (laughs) You're going too slow. Take it, take it down a notch. God damn it. Yeah. Uh, uh, that's interesting. Yeah. I think that that's true. Maybe if it maybe you guys should all read the news like really sad sacks one day. Really, really normal. Yeah, normal. And then let us all know. That's how I read it normally. Yeah, yeah. And then we and then we would. NPR is a good one to listen to because you and I think there's also something generational because if you listen to NPR like David Green, he sounds like it's great. I you know what he is and I talked so when I was doing the networking thing. Yeah, I met with a dude who uh, used to be. Uh, he was in charge of programming for WNYC or something, mm-hmm. and he was the guy that ultimately hired David Green for. Oh wow! Uh, new, morning edition. Morning edition. Mm-hmm. Um, and goddamn, that voice in the morning is like a bowl of warm oatmeal. Yeah, he is just such a nice way to wait. It's like so welcoming and comforting. Ah. Oh. They nailed that. And he laughs. Yeah, he just sounds like a normal guy yeah, and, talking. And, and I said that to the guy I was meeting with, and he was like, "Yeah, I know." That's why he's on in the morning. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. We can't put him on But then you get, like, the older the older generation will speak a lot more slowly, and they'll have the NPR radio, like, I'm Jack Spear. Yeah. You know, NPR News. I do like Jack Spear. I, I trust him. Yeah. I think David Green might sugarcoat some shit for me. Uh, uh, <laughs> but then the other end of the spectrum, I guess, is, like, uh, Diane Reem. Diane Reem. Well, she's got her what voice. Happened? She had a stroke. Oh, shit. <laughs> the other end of the spectrum is that woman with the stroke. I think uh, she had a stroke or she had something happen. Did John happen. McLaughlin, McLaughlin have a stroke Jesus. too? No, what was his name? Was it John McLaughlin? John. McLaughlin? McLaughlin? The McLaughlin report? Yeah. I he's don't know. dead, I think. I, I don't know if he's no, dead. he's not dead. He's, he's a PBS dead. guy, no, right? Yeah, he's a PBS guy. Yeah. Also not a... And then there's the sports... Like who's, who's the sports guy? Frank, uh, Frank Langfitt? The sport? No, is it Frank? Uh, it's no, it's not. That's Frank Lan- or Lanfit is the uh, the China. You're China the guy for that. Always from Fairfield University in Connecticut, and he always just re- reads like poems about yeah. sports. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and I think, and you can hear that it's in his kitchen too. Yeah. Like if you listen to it on headphones, oh, you can hear like so the echo awesome. of his oh, kitchen. He's, he's just like, and I think that he's like really gravelly. <laughs> and you usually after his the pieces, you're like, hmm. Okay. Oh, cool. Well, I, okay. That was fun. How you feel about that? Yeah, I know. I know. You think tennis is overrated? <laughs> tennis is overrated. Uh, it's like the sixty minutes guy. Who's that guy? Which one? The one that always did the little thing, and he was always in his suspenders. Mike Wallace. Yeah. Oh, no, Larry no. King. Mickey Rooney. No, Rooney. Yeah, uh, Mickey. not Mickey Rooney. Uh, Andy Rooney. We are terrible. Andy Rooney. We should have a fucking. Oh yeah, Andy Rooney. There's Andy like certain Rooney. guys that they're just like, you know. That's fuck it. That's like the NPR Frank. I want to say Lampard. He's a soccer yeah, player. Yeah, but it's not Frank Langfit because Langfit. No, is it's not the, Frank Langfit. Oh, we have one listener that's just yelling right now. Yeah, it's like, come on, guys! You so, don't know him. So bad. You don't know Frank. Carl Castle. No, no, nope. it's Frank. <laughs> uh, it's Frank. Uh, how do you like the sound? Well, you've been hearing your voice singing forever. I love like the, the sound, sound of, of my own voice. No, <laughs> no every time I hear out? myself, like, because I listen to NPR One. Um, at home and so like that your newscast will just pop up and then you'll hear like and it's like this like nasally sounding because you always sound different you know when so you talk yes. then like when you guys listen to your podcast I'm sure you like hear yourself well and you're when like, I listen to it uh, I obviously hate the sound of my voice this is going to be episode number 21 and wow. I hate the sound of my voice Yeah, and I'm not changing it like I'm not I'm no not, you can't like, change I, it I'm not working on right. taking something out I don't mix the mids out I don't yeah. do anything because I'm Hoping by episode 200, I'm like, well, that's just the way it sounds. Uh, yeah. That's just the way that my voice sounds. That's the way my laugh sounds because I hate my laugh. My laugh <laughs> is annoying. Me too. All of it. Too. It's all real. It's yeah. all there. I don't fake anything and I hate it. So yeah. I can I would imagine as, as you have listeners that are actually like, huh. There's that guy again. There's that guy's voice. Oh, that guy heard Damn. my voice. No, yeah. no, I don't think people think of it like that. I wouldn't think of it like that. I think you have no. a good NPR voice. Oh, yeah. thanks. I really think you do. Thanks. Uh, 
Corn Kate's Carney? Yeah. How big is he? Because he has the <laughs> deepest fucking voice I've ever heard in my life. I imagine him being like 6'7", 350 pounds. He's a little bit shorter than us, I think. No way! Yeah. He's a little guy? Yeah. He's just always on. had a deep voice. That's his voice he, when he talks to you. So deep. Corn Kate's Carney. He doesn't read. He doesn't change his inflection. It doesn't Not at like. all. No, no. He I reads. appreciate him. Yeah. At first, I was a little like, whoa. But no, that's just his voice. But he's not really he's good. not doing anything like weird with his voice. He's just got a low voice. He seems cool. Yeah, he's he's a he's a cool guy. He does good work. He you, does really good work. You had an internship with NPR, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, me and me and Corn both had the same internship there. Uh with Morning oh. Edition. At where? At NPR. At, at National. National, like, at yeah. The, and at the NPR West, so where Renee was. So oh, Renee right Montaigne on. was in West and then um no, I think David Green's in the West in the Western Bureau now. I love What does that internship like what does that entail for you? Um, a lot of it was research. Actually, when I finished that internship, again, perfect example of Nate just assuming, oh, this is the way it is. It sucks. No, like I, I was just like I was an intern, so I was doing um, research packets and everything else like that. And you weren't you're not really reporting or anything like that. You're doing. I did a couple couple things and a couple like they call them two ways or sorry, um, two ways and returns or last word in business, just like writing script for the hosts. That was really fun. I like doing that. But most of the time, you kind of just. You're you're supposed to make your own work, and I was like, I don't know where, what I was doing. Yeah. I was opening up a lot of boxes. <laughs> like that was the work I was making. Opening a lot of boxes. <laughs> so they get sent books, tons of books. Oh, to review. Constant. Yes, and so you get to keep those books. Oh. So like it's like Christmas every day, opening up, and you're oh. like, oh my god, this new book, and like that new book, and then like CDs, tons of CDs, they get sent. And you probably get every book from every major and, oh, yeah. publisher. No, you and like, like hardcover, nice, like thirty dollar books that you're just like, what? So I got a <laughs> lot of books from that. Like I got a lot of like, yeah, I got this book on Mavis Staples, and I got um. What was it? There was a book on um, John Fay that I got. Are are so like uh, uh, Renee Montaigne, for instance. Mm-hmm. Her voice makes me think that like she is the nicest, sweetest person yeah. ever. No, she's great. Really? Everyone's are they great all there. Like that? Everyone there. I don't believe you. there is no no. There's nobody. I know, right? <laughs> no, there's nobody there that like you're like. Oh yeah, there there goes that jerk. No, really? everybody was super nice. Yeah. Who, everyone's um, everyone's like, but the craziest thing is when they walk in and then you hear that voice that you hear on the radio just like talking to you and like, I think I'm gonna go get a uh, you know coffee at Starbucks. And that's what it sounds like. And it's just like, oh my god, Renee Montaigne just told me. Renee Montaigne just brought me a coffee. And he's like, do you want a coffee from Starbucks? Really? Yeah. That happened. Yeah, that happened once. No shit. Yeah, it was like I'm I disappointed that she goes to Starbucks though. Yeah, there was a Starbucks close by. It's, it's L.A., me. though. I would expect you know? more from her. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Like, she, her life, her life in, in, in Culver City was, I'm not envious of that. She would, she had this, like, beach cottage in Santa Monica. Sounds beautiful and everything else like that. But she would have to wake up um, at, she would start work at 11 at night. And she would work until around noon the next day because she has to start morning edition because it's West Coast at 3 a.m. <gasps> so she does 3 a.m. till it was like 5 or 6 a.m. And then she works, does some recordings of um, interviews and everything else like that. And then goes home, pulls these big black shutters over her windows, sleeps, wakes up and does it all over again. Are you telling me she barely gets to enjoy her beach cottage in Santa Monica? She does now because she's retired. Oh, that's good. Yeah. No, but for, for a lot, she didn't get she to, used to do, She used to do weekend edition. No, no, we that was Rachel. No, um, yeah, Rachel somebody. Rachel Martin. Rachel Martin. Rachel I'm Martin. gonna miss her. Rachel Martin and her and Renee Short together. Yeah, yeah. Rachel Martin was great. She they were was awesome. She loved. Yeah, they yeah. She always so loved on the puzzle. She loved that. She loved the puzzle. <laughs> well, I hope someone else enjoys this conversation. Well, I'm having a lot according of fun. to my demographic research of who listens to everyone us, listens to NPR. Pretty much most of our listeners listen to NPR. So yeah. we're Perfect. all good. Uh, who does the who does the weekend edition news? In the morning, you know, like the, uh, what's that guy? He's a little older sounding. <sighs> it's not Jack Spear. No. I don't know. You can always fill dead air with a sigh. Yeah. Dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air, dead air. I'm going to think I don't know who, I don't know who does it. I like Audie Cornish a lot. I think she's uh, great. Oh, me too. And Ari Shapiro. They just, their whole team is My great. favorite voice though is, oh man, I'm going to forget her name, but she always, whenever it's something in France... Uh, on NPR, on is All it, Things Considered, usually. Or maybe it's maybe Susan Sandberg, is it? Nope. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. Oh, man. And she has this incredible... It's a little nasally. It's very sort of, like, sophisticated-sounding. What the fuck is her name? 
I'm going to find it. You guys talk much. <laughs> so, uh, do you read the comment section of newspapers? I'm sure. <laughs> we, uh, we, uh, I dive in. Uh, what is the, what is the return? How do people on NPR, do you have a comment section? Do you ever have that like situation where you have feedback directly from? I had one where, so this is my first legislature ever co- uh, covering, or the first time I've ever covered a legislature. And so there's a lot, huge learning curve. Mm-hmm. And I did this report, and at the end of it, I said the bill was tabled without voting. Tabled, um, I think tabled means they put it aside for later. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, they were talking about tabling at the end of the hearing, and I was just like, oh, I think they're tabling the bill. And, you know, your deadline's in an hour, so you're like, I'm going to write tabled the bill, because I don't know what that means. Oh, shit. Yeah. And so I wrote tabled without voting. And so a legislator wrote to me um, the next day, and she's like, it wasn't tabled. It was just pushed aside without voting, or it was just like not voted on. And I was like, "Oh no!" And like the worst thing is like getting something oh. wrong as an as a journalist. Hate it. I hate it. I hate getting a fact wrong. And yeah. so, so I was like, I, I corrected it and everything else like that. But man, like that stuff is that's the hardest part. Or when you, I've got some sort of dyslexia or something like that, where I when I read names, I see like Jonathan Modal and I read Jason Modal, <laughs> and like. Scott Sales, Steve Sales, and yeah. so I've done that to both of those names, calling them. Have you had major corrections? The biggest one was the one last week where I said a bill was tabled without voting, but it was just they just didn't vote on it. Oh, it's gonna get worse. Yeah. <laughs> Sweet. Have you had, did you have major corrections? Ah, uh, uh, no. Well, did I? Did I? I don't know. One that like really hurt was I, I got I wrote a story about football in Wheelow, Montana, and I spelled Sydney, Montana, like Sydney, Australia. Oh Whoops. no! Yeah, and, and it was pretty much the last story I wrote for that publication. That's really? For sure. Yeah, it wasn't a very good story. It was also like fucking eight thousand words long. I remember that story. It was so long. I thought it was a good story. Thanks. It was like drinking. In it too, right? Like it wasn't like a yeah, heavy drinking well, the town. Yeah, well, first the first night I reported there, I got like totally blackout drunk. Oh, maybe it was just you telling me about it. Yeah, I probably just told <laughs> you. About it. it was terrible. It was so terrible, and there was like no, there was no way out. I mean, that was just touted. Yeah. You know, and at a certain point, I was like, "This, I'm not reporting anymore." Yeah. Just so everyone at this table knows, this is officially not okay. <laughs> wow. uh, Eleanor Beardsley. That's who I was thinking of. If you Eleanor have Beardsley, heard her yeah. radio voice, uh-huh. it is straight out of like 1960. If women read the news in 1960, which <laughs> which they didn't, but they it didn't is amazing. She's a man's world. It's uh, a man's world. If we if we took a little effort, we could insert all these voices as we talk about them. Have yeah. you guys, have Travis, you guys interviewed why don't we a woman yet? Harder. I'm not going to do that. Uh, our first interview was uh, Gwen Florio. Nice. Did you say, are you going to interview? Yeah, we need some more women. Yeah. We got to Three white guys. We gotta, you had yeah. pointed that out off. I know. Yeah. We have a sausage. <laughs> <laughs> no, we got a bit of a sausage party going on, but we're we going to really work do. on that. How are we going to work on that? Who should we have on? Fuck. Have you I had, Kate, you've had have... Caitlin, right? Hoffmeister? Oh, we had Caitlin, and we had and Kate, Kate Whittle. Uh, and what about Caroline Keys? We'll have Caroline on. I would love to have Caroline on. Yep. We'll Caroline, have Caroline it'll be great. We'll have her on. She would hate to be on, I would yeah. assume. Yeah. Hermina? Which is horrible. Yeah. I don't think Hermina would be good at this. She <laughs> might be. I think she'd be good. I think she would admit it. She's good at everything, but not. I don't know. She's, oh, we'll force her in. She'd be funny. I, I would I would listen to, to it. To me. We want, oh. I don't think she would like to talk to both of us at the same time. I I, just because it's if the both of us includes you, yeah. yeah. I don't think she wants to talk to you. Uh, One of you should be a woman. I want to have Sally Mock. <laughs> We're working on that. Sally Mock would be interesting. Is she awesome? Yeah. She's such a badass. I think so. I haven't met her before. Oh, really? Yeah. She still does that one segment she, a week, right? you got to have Edward O'Brien on. I know he's not a woman, but I just, I always just want to find out more about him because he's a really interesting character. I see him everywhere. I think he lives in this neighborhood. Maybe. Really? I see him all the time. He, he, he's like got the greatest job. Wakes up in the morning, does the morning edition, does the reading. He's one of those guys that can read and he doesn't make mistakes. No, never. Like, I'll listen to him record and he's just like, boom. Perfect. I, when I read it, it's like, just like 10 minutes of just fuck ups and then <laughs> me cutting through and like ah ah Let's keep that the yeah I'll keep that, that I. I got it can't say autopsy 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 up <laughs> and then I was looking at it I was like auto autopsy autopsy how do you say autopsy oh my god <laughs> you just like start to question Damn. like how you say certain words uh, uh what story can we hear any stories coming up 
Can people tune in and hear some stories? I'm working on something right now um, that I'm really excited about that I'm hoping to have an interview later today about. Um, so a couple weeks ago, there was that big meth bust. Did you guys hear about that? No. So no. it was in Missoula. Um, they, I think, uh, it was like eight pounds of meth. Oh, and all the weapons and shit. So yeah, yeah. O- almost 70 weapons, including two uh, grenade launchers. <sighs> and so it, in this press conference, one of the special agents said, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, there are a lot of guns in Montana. Some of these guns are stolen and traded for meth straight up. And then some of those guns make their way down to Mexico. And so I'm trying to do a story or like look into like first of the validity of that. And then um, it would probably turn into because I don't know if I can. There have been cases. So the Sinaloa cartel is the, the big cartel in Montana. And when I say big, I mean, they're here, but it's it's not like, you know, it's not like California. Yeah. So the meth that's coming up from um, it used to be. Uh, meth was kind of locally locally grown and um, or locally made, and now it's coming from. My understanding is that it's coming from super labs in um, northern Mexico, and it's very cheap and it's much more pure. And so you can sell what is it, like a gram of methamphetamine for something like three to four hundred dollars in Seattle, or you can sell that same gram of methamphetamine in Flathead County for thirteen hundred dollars. Whoa! So there is a huge. There's not a lot of supply and a massive demand for meth, and so meth meth numbers have skyrocketed in the past past couple years really yeah and it's coming from northern mexico and so oh, then shit. so my my theory is that people might not have 1300 dollars, but they will have the ability to steal weapons weapons which cost money and you can't get weapons weapons in mexico very easily and in fact most of the weapons used for violence in mexico come from the united states and so my theory is that um is that that's one of the reasons why they're trading firearms or, or why they're like, you can trade fire, firearms straight up for meth. Do you feel like the stories you're drawn to tend to be, do you have like a, a desire to put yourself in fucked up situations? With no, I just like, it's just, I don't know. A little that's bit? interesting. Yeah. A little bit. Because I did. Yeah. I yeah. Mean, I, I, I think I so. I get that. Like, yeah. There's a, uh... or I just like fascinating. There's like certain stories, right. That ju- you just like, Oh, this is really interesting, and like it holds, you know, like it's just like something hooks and holds, and like this guns and meth thing hooks and holds. The darker spots, right? The darker stuff, yeah. What is that? Yeah, meth. I think actually, just like um, in general, like opiates and meth and addiction in America is is fascinating to yeah. me because there's it's a whole spectrum of of um, you know, like you, you're dealing with. And some, you know, cartels, you're dealing with addiction in the United States, you're dealing with pharmaceutical companies, you're dealing with all these different players and everything yeah. with no easy answers. And Man, so I'm so sick of talking about the opiate epidemic without having a conversation about, like, fucking prosecuting some fucking pharmaceutical companies. Oh, yeah. Have you read Dreamland, Holy by the way? Shit. Have you guys? No. So there's a book called Dreamland um, by Sam Keones that I'm reading right now. It's so good. It literally details... Well, details... The rise of black tar heroin in um, the U.S. It was sold. It all came from one little town in Mexico, in Nayarit. All the black tar heroin, because um, there, there's these little towns called ranchos, and these ranchos, every little rancho um, has a different trade. So there was one that might just make fireworks. Everybody in the town makes fireworks. In this town, everybody makes black tar heroin and sells it. And they're called the Jalisco Boys, and they um, they came up, and there was no violence with them. They were always courteous. Good customer service, great heroin. <laughs> like, that was their thing. And so, like, he compares that then with the rise of Oxycontin and how Purdue Pharmaceuticals were, like, selling it hard and yeah. and essentially working in the same way that the Jalisco boys were working, getting people addicted because that addiction is what fuels, sure. fuels your money. So Purdue was making, I think, billion-dollar profits at the same time as they're saying that only 1% of all people who take Oxycontin will actually get addicted. Basing this off of off of a uh, study that wasn't even a study that had, that had three people in it. Oh, it was such a, it was a, it was a study of of, of a, a small amount of people who were like cancer patients um, who were get, receiving low doses of of painkiller, yeah, of opiate, and so opiates. It's fascinating. Big it pharma. is fascinating. Yeah, big pharma is big fascinating. It's the biggest cartel that in the airlines. <laughs> fucking airlines. Those airlines. I'm talking about how shitty airports are. Yeah. Uh, airports suck. <laughs> Ten seconds no. left. Airports blow. Uh, anything else? Can people see you play music anytime? I think so. Yeah, with Travis. 
What? Holy shit. What are you guys yeah, doing? Yeah, February 9th. February 9th at the VFW, mm-hmm. where uh, Faster Rabbit has their residency at the VFW oh. for February. Yeah. That's cool. Opening for them. 10 o'clock? Probably, I don't February know. Have you done the Sleepy Rooster show in Helena? I'm going to, yeah. That is. And Mark, thanks so much for setting that up, man. <sighs> I Appreciate only have it. one recommendation. I only gave one name. Oh, really? Oh, me. Oh, wow. Heavyweight Trav. Ooh. I told him you were the Sylvester Stallone of, of Missoula journalism. And they were like, you know what? We're on. We're on. Are you going to be reading journalism? No. <laughs> I'm playing music. What date is the hell in the show? Um, it's in March. 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 Early March. Okay. <laughs> we have we have Helena listeners. This <laughs> yeah, yeah. uh, Okay, March. February 9th, Thursday. You guys are gonna rock out. We have yeah. W. Yeah. Clock. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, Nate, thank you so much for coming thank on. Our podcast. Thank you guys. Thanks for. Um, by the way, I felt like I looked at you, Jamie, more than I looked at you, Travis, when I was no, talking. No, he's the and interviewer. I, I'm, I'm the interviewer, and, and I'm the color guy. I'm oh, the really? One who doesn't know what I don't, I'm the one who doesn't know anything. Oh. So I interject a couple of times. I see. So yeah. you're used to people not. Yeah, no, please don't look at me. I should have it. I should just be in another room. Oh, next time. I also yeah. can't keep my mouth shut. So no, 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 that's no. That's part of the deal. <laughs> uh, thank you, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thanks, Nate. Thanks, guys.